Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, President and CEO of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. My fabulous co-host, the nonprofit ninja, Natalie Jablonski, is here. That's right. Specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. So, hey, Natalie. Hey, Marjorie. Um, so, do you know what my like least favorite part about running a nonprofit is? Only one? Only one thing I can guess? Yeah, let's do the, my, the one today. So the one thing that you don't like, you, you're you not a huge fan in the fun development arena. Yeah, it's not my favorite thing. Yeah. I, it just makes me which nervous. Which cracks me up because I would think as needy, our mm-hmm. number one most important thing that should excite us is fun development, like especially major gifts. Yeah, those, those scare me. Those people, the people with the money, yeah. they scare me. I don't... They're, they're scary to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that it, cracks me up. Yeah. So it's kind of mystifying and I, you Put know. Put your superhero cape on. Yeah. So, well, I've got somebody who brought a cape for us. Oh, good. <laughs> um, David Gonzalez is here. He's worked with United Way, hospitals, universities, and soon a smaller nonprofit to raise money to sustain missions. Um, welcome, David. Tell us some Thank about you. yourself. Thank you. Uh, hey, David. I don't actually have a cape, so I feel oh. like I feel that's bad. You've already let her down. I, I have a utility belt, which I find a little bit more useful with that's working right. with um, donors. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's funny. Usually <laughs> they want you to fix knife. a problem, yeah. so that you know, works well. You know, just smoke pellets, like grappling hook is on there so it's just i you know maybe we should talk about something else actually now that we're, <laughs> we're kind of giving too much trade secrets here so what what we're hoping what i'm hoping to today is to feel a little bit better about getting and asking for major gifts so let's just start at the beginning sure maybe it's a good place and, to start and yeah. if it's not the beginning then i need to know <laughs> so let's say i've got this board member who's brought a friend to my gala and yeah. just told him all about the organization yes and the, this is great yeah and yeah. my board member's like i think they're interested and i need you to meet with them and so now what do I do? Well, first of all, I'd back up and, and say that I, I think even as a person who has been a fundraiser for going on 16 years, I think that there is still some uncomfortableness and nervousness. And I think that's natural. So I don't I don't think that there's ever um, a point that you get where you're not nervous about it or you're not thinking about it. So I think if you're not nervous and you're not a little bit anxious, then maybe, maybe you don't care as much. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I think that um, the, the, the hard part is learning to get past that anxiety and oh, deal with it and just make it a natural part of the process. You know, just think about it that way. But anyway, okay. let's let's. So back to your question, you know, um, I think it's just like anything else. I mean, it, it, I, I hate to use the metaphor of dating, but it is like dating. You know, mm-hmm. you, you kind of have to you, you kind of have to be um, you know, in sync with that person, right? Like, you know, when you're texting someone too much, you know, when you're asking someone to attend too many events. Um, and and if you don't, um, you know, they will, they will maybe give you subtle cues and and sometimes not so subtle cues. Um, so I, I think by getting your board members to be engaged, uh, I think, um, having a, a conversation and doing as much preparation before the gala, I think um, when it comes to major gifts and events in general, one of the biggest mistakes that nonprofit people make is not having a very um, laid out plan of, okay, here are the top 20 people we're going to want to talk to, and here's what we're going to talk to them about, and here's who's going to talk to them. Um, you know, Maybe you know this person from this organization, or you went to college with this person, and so to have a lot of that pre-work done. Um, and then I already have in mind what that post work is going to be before the event even happens. So, okay, two weeks out, we're going to send a picture of the ED and the prospect and say, hey, thanks. Uh, we'd love to share with you, you know, 
how your how that night's success enabled us to fulfill our mission. So have that strategy in place already. You know, just assume they're going to be there. Just assume they're going to have a great time because, of course, you're going to have a great event, right? But you do throw I a do good throw party. Good party. <laughs> yes, That's you do. That I can do. I can throw a good party. I can right. attest to that. Um, and, and so just kind of have those those things in mind of okay, I'm going to sit down with them and maybe even at the event, kind of plant that seed of. I really appreciate you coming here uh, and then, you know, talk to them about I'd love to follow up with you. So and so, uh, whoever that contact is, uh, says you're really interested in our mission or let's just say it's um, disabilities or something like that. Oh, I understand disabilities is something that you have a passion for. I'd love to sit down and and hear about, um, you know, how you're connected to that and tell you a little bit more about what we do. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how I would approach it. Think about what you're going to be doing previous to the event, during the event, and after the event, um, weeks before the event even happens. Okay. So I've done all that. I've got, you know, we've done this. I've sent the, sent the card with the picture and all that good stuff. Are we assuming they made the big gift at the at the event? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, if... I, fi- I don't know. I-, I haven't been to too many galas where they've been, and I just had one not too long ago where we did um, the Fund and Need program, mm-hmm. and we didn't have a lot of major gifts. So I think in my – I don't know. Maybe I've just had bad luck, I don't want to <laughs> say, like in my experience. But um, a- assuming that they just win an auction item or don't give that, that $10,000 okay. gift, yeah. That's kind of the appetizer to the big mm-hmm. gift, don't right. you think? If they may right. give something, maybe it's something as small or – they may have bought a raffle ticket that night or participate in a silent auction format, but they're really kind of testing the water, I think, at that time as well. Just like going back to David's suggestion of dating. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're now evaluating that experience right. afterwards. Did they have mm-hmm. a good time? Did they get their stewardship appropriately? Did sure. They get their... So they're doing the same thing on the other side. One of the things I think that I love about what David makes note of it, and I want to emphasize it for our listeners, because as a consultant, this is where I've seen things gone terribly wrong with executive directors and events. Executive directors are fixers. They want to be involved in everything. Mm-hmm. Right. The night of the event, your job is not to be involved in the details. Your job is to be able to meet with those donors, to work the room, to say face-to-face, to have those handshakes. You should not be working the registration table. You should not be working the silent auction. Those tasks need to be assigned to volunteers. They need to be assigned to other staff. And if you don't have enough, they need to cut back and scale back on what you're trying to accomplish that night. Now, as executive directors, I think we have a tendency just to jump in and try to fix all of that. But you can't then be doing what David is saying is so imperative to be able to you know start these relationships. If you say, "Oh, we need someone to help," I can do that. I can do that. And the next thing you know, you've hidden behind the registration table. It's a very so, good place to hide, though. Yeah. It is. Now you can you can hide in front of the registration table mm-hmm. and stand there and be like a meet and greet and a welcomer, so that you have that first contact. If that if you need like a safety net, as some mm-hmm. the plate of cheese to be comfortable around, you know, right in the networking world. Uh, but by all means, then you have to be able to be comfortable enough to work that room, and that means that you have to leave those details to your very competent committee, your staff, your volunteers, and let them own that. So you can do what David is so right. graciously telling us to do, and we need to do more of. You know, it's amazing, and I don't want to get too off topic here, but I, I'm amazed at how many executive directors I talk to who admit that they're introverts, mm-hmm. and they, yes. th- that is not their comfort zone. And so, um, you know, I think as development people, sometimes we're the extroverts, and I view us as sort of like the person in, you know, the movie Devil Wears Prada, like the ED is Meryl Streep. And we're, we, our job really is to whisper in their ear, like, this is so-and-so. You need to talk to them. This yes. is this. 
Um, and so you're not asking for money. You're not having to do a whole lot b besides, mm -hmm. like, you know, make small talk or, or, or reference the information that I right. hopefully gave you beforehand mm -hmm. or reminding you in your ear that day. I yeah. had, so, a, I had yeah. an executive director who always loved it because we would have our events, and I was right next to them. And per that movie, that is what I did. I would say, David, it is so great to see you. How are you? Right. And she would go, oh, yes, David, it's great to see you. She's like, oh, I'm glad you remember who the yeah. people are. That is because, you know, somewhat yeah. our job. And you have to make sure that you have – the right people doing the right things at those big events so that you can open up those opportunities. So, yeah. yeah. So let's kind of keep going on this sure. thing then. So I've, I've heard, and you mentioned like Marjorie's the prepping for stuff. her big event. Yeah. yeah it's in <laughs> February. I've got to get ready. Um, so I've heard that like people, like you're supposed to have several communications with the donor before you ask them for money or before you ask them to give again. And if we're kind of on the dating thing, like, what if they're ghosting me? Um, <laughs> but yeah. like, as long as they're not what, catfishing you, which yeah. is only yeah. a problem. <laughs> but I guess what it, I know, I know, I can send a thank you note. Like that's yeah. pretty obvious, and or a call. But what else should I be doing to nurture these relationships? You know, I think the number one thing is actually showing people what you do, bringing mm -hmm. them into uh, whatever it is. And I, I, I know a lot of nonprofits, sometimes it's just offices that you don't do programming there. Mm -hmm. I've had the opportunity to work for, number one, a hospital recently. I just uh, left that opportunity. And um, to be able to bring people in to see an operation is one of the coolest things you can do. Now, granted, not a lot of people can do that. But, you know, working at a university, uh, had the opportunity to, um, you know, bring people in to meet with the dean, uh, tour some of the buildings, see something like that. So I think hands-on, letting people see things versus just talking in a restaurant or a coffee shop about things, letting them see it, letting them envision it, you mm -hmm. know? I think that's really cool. When you're talking about major donors, a lot of times um, you're thinking about capital campaigns or expanding something. Um, so again, going back to the hospital, when we're doing the St. Louis University groundbreaking, to have um, the architects there showing them the renderings and having mm. the 3D images. Um, so as much as you can see, touch and feel things, uh, I, I think that's important. Um, you know, kind of going back to my United Way days, if you've ever been to the United Way offices, mm -hmm. they're just offices and cubes. Mm -hmm. But what we did with our campaign team is that we took them out to the programs that we funded so that they could see those. So putting a face on things, uh, showing what the vision looks like, uh, I think those things are key. So, um, you know, in, in the first meeting, talking to them about, um, hey, we'd love for you to come down and, and see some of the things that we're working on or what we're doing or how this is going to look or this program, uh, talking to people who have been helped, beneficiaries of, uh, especially in health and human services. Again, I think it's making it that personal touch because you're going you're gonna to have a lot of those um, analytics, a lot of those outcomes sprinkled out. But mm -hmm. the quicker you can put a face on it, I think the better. And I think something that is key, what David's saying, is you can't touch, smell, taste, feel an email. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That that needs to be done with a phone call. And I think going back to the dating, remember the first time you right. pick up that phone and actually have the conversation, which is probably why so many single people Natalie text now. Natalie hasn't dated in a really long time. So the texting wow. is a lot different, right? It's this kind of show. But is that, yes, we have taken a turn and not for a good thing. But the uh, reality is, I mean, I remember as a kid, like our phone was connected to a wall, and now I'm mm -hmm. going to date right. myself with a cord. And heaven forbid a guy would call you because your parents are standing right there. It's not like you can take it in another room, right? Yeah. So there was that anticipation of the phone call. But you can hear so much and react so much quicker with that phone call to know if the time is right to invite them in or to invite them for coffee or if the time is not right for them to do that. And if it sounds like they need something more, or they, you can hear that and feel that in a, in a phone call. And you can't do that with an email or a text or a, right. a passive form of communication. Wouldn't you agree, David? Absolutely. I think, I, I think emails are so easy to ignore. 
Mm-hmm. You know, people get an email and they'll they'll think about getting to it, and you know, when they think about it, it's two weeks later. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying about you know, is someone ghosting you? I think that <laughs> I think that you have to have um, a certain amount of confidence to be a, a fundraiser and mm-hmm. and to not take it personally. Um, it's it's tough, you know. Um, unlike dating, you know, it's it's tough to know that you're not someone's number one priority, and that's okay, and you're not going to be like the top five priority. Um, but to be gracious enough to uh, have the appropriate follow up, um, you know, all the research about major gifts, they'll they'll tell you it usually takes four to six visits, and uh, you know, fifteen to eighteen months to get that ten thousand dollar more gift. And obviously, there are exceptions to that rule. There are people who've worked on gifts for years and they've been large and. Um, you know, there was one gentleman I met with twice and, uh, he gave me a $5,000 check. So that was, you know, certainly not a huge gift, but, um, that was not like the return on investment of having two lunches with him. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a grand total of three hours. Now granted he was in DC, so I actually had to fly and see him. (laughs) So there was that too. But the point is, um, you know, that was a very quick thing. And that gift led me and, uh, my supervisor, who I was with, the, the the head of development, to know, like, okay, this person is, you know, if he could write a check for $5,000 and not think about it, this is someone we should be talking to about, you know, something more substantial. Mm-hmm. So how do I know if I have a donor that's maybe giving me anywhere from maybe $500 a year to $1,000 a year? How do I know when the time is right to to kind of move them up to those bigger levels. And by the way, I, th- I think a lot of our listeners laughed when you said $5,000 wasn't a big gift. So. Yes, right, <laughs> right. Uh, I, hear, yeah. I hear you all right now. It's okay. <laughs> so it is, it, you know, it is, um, it's very interesting having been in university fundraising and hospital fundraising and then coming from health and human services. And actually, I'm going to go back to health and human services now, so it's kind of full circle. But um, Ooh, the definition of a major gift switches in that right, chain, exactly. doesn't it? Um, and I and I think the interesting thing is, and I, I hear this when it comes to health and human services, because I didn't have this at United Way, is we don't have a lot of health and human service people, the sophisticated software that mm-hmm. universities and hospitals have. Um, it's very funny when I was working we at... We can't spell sophisticated in some small nonprofits because we can't afford well, to. Right. Oh, no, Google, Google spell check. Oh, thanks. That's really nice. Thank goodness. Um, but at SSM Health, we had... Um, I don't even know what you would call it, but they, they would have certain categories that people would, would fit into and it, mm-hmm. lifestyle categories, basically. Mm-hmm. So um, adults of a certain capacity with a certain lifestyle would be the um, Birkenstocks and Beamers category. <laughs> so there would be like, you know, you can you can sort of qualify them, um, you know, young and uh, basically low capacity, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I guess my point to that is there are so many products out there available to individ- to nonprofits that can give you, you know, what else they've given to. That's always a good indication. Okay. So, um, they're giving 500 to me, but they're giving $5,000 to another organization or even, you know, a thousand dollars to an organization. So being able to look at what they're giving, I think gives you an overall capacity, you know, are they someone who attends events? You know, are they, are they, do you see them, you know? Uh, if there's someone who just goes to your annual gala and gives you $500, I, I, I don't know. But, you mm-hmm. know, certainly worth the conversation. Um, and some people don't want to attend events. And I think that mm-hmm. goes back right. to knowing your donor and what motivates them. I remember having a great relationship with someone who was giving large capacity gifts. 
and I was so excited to invite them to this big event. And they said, oh, do I have to go? Right. <laughs> and, I, and I was like shocked because I thought they'd be so excited. to. And I said, well, you don't have to go. I said, "Is there? do you have a conflict? And they continued to basically just disclose that they hate events. Uh, they hate going out at night. It's uh, all the different priorities they have in life. It's just not a thing. And they said, uh, what's the ticket amount going to be? And so I told them, and I said, and what fundraising activities are going to be happening that night? And I explained to them, and they said, how can I write a check to make you not feel bad that I'm not there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we discussed what that would look like, and we were doing a, a donation challenge, a fund me challenge, and they were a anonymous plant, mm. and they used it that way. So when we got to that level... They kicked it off with somebody couldn't be here tonight. They wanted to make sure they made a donation, and they are kicking off this with their gift. And nice. so uh, it was a great way for them to participate in the event and also get what they wanted, which was not have to go and eat that chicken. So <laughs> I hate that chicken. <laughs> you got to love, love chicken, uh. right? So I'm always curious, David, your opinion whenever, because people ask me this question. So what do we do when someone says to you after you've made an ask, um, how in the world would you think that I could afford such a gift? Or what makes you think that I have the capacity to give at that level? Now, we all know that there's tools and tricks for research right. and such, but what what are some great responses you can give? Because I think those people who are scared to give or not necessarily are scared to ask aren't necessarily scared to ask. They're scared to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's a tough question. And I, and I think that, you know, I like to, and I have never really gotten that, like, offensive response i've gotten people who thought like oh okay you know that's that's not at all what i was thinking and so they were taking it back um and and again i think this kind of goes back to the previous thing of of research and kind of knowing the person a little bit uh when you're making that ask i think you know at this point even without those sophisticated um wealth screenings that a lot of those hospitals and institutions have you could still have information out there. So I I mean, I think that, you know, in terms of if you do feel like you have offended someone or they're they're taking offense to that, um, you know, I think it's just acknowledging the fact that you, you know, it is an aggressive ask. What I like to do is I like to put several different options in front of someone. I find that that's a lot easier to sort of like minimize that. And there will be at different levels. So for example, um, I was talking to one woman recently, and there was uh, a gift for, I think, 30 and a gift for 20. And then there was uh, an opportunity to fund part of a bigger project. So it didn't have a number. So that was, you know, a little bit of wiggle room. Um, And so for me, that kind of gave them different things based on what their interests are. Um, without saying, you know, here's 50000 and then having to negotiate that um, because you don't want it to be a negotiation, right? It, it, it isn't, isn't. You're not selling them a car. You're asking them to be part of your mission and invest in, in what you're doing. Um, so for me, when I, when I send someone a proposal, I do like the notion of having uh, several different options for them to give. But, you know, I think as, as, uh, as fundraisers, the best thing that we can do is um, you know, apologize if we offended anyone, but also recognize the fact that, hey, we have big goals. You know, we have aggressive goals and we think that what we're doing uh, is valuable and your investment would be valuable. Um, if this doesn't feel like a number that's comfortable to you, I'd love to talk to you about what you think that you're able to do at this point. And, and so that's probably where I would leave it. Awesome. So you talked a little bit about proposals and things like that. And that is the one thing that when I've talked to other fundraisers, if they're frustrated with their job, they're thing always seems to be, well, we, we just don't have any, 
we have each stuff to give to people and they <laughs> I think they expect it to fall out of the sky, but do I need like a, a fancy folder or something that's been approved by thirty people or is it okay just to go in with my nice little word document and say like here here's some stuff that's um we need here um and also I need money <laughs> for that for the stuff. You might want to practice that yeah. pitch a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah, more, yeah. but <laughs> I mean, I think it's always nice to have that collateral that, that you know, um, I think it would definitely depend. So, and again, I'm going to go back to the St. Louis University Hospital example. I think you do need that brochure that has, like, this is what the slick building will look like mm-hmm. and, you know, some of those things, especially for capital campaigns. Um, you know, I think, again, uh, being able to write really, really well, I think, is is key. Um, and people have different thoughts on what that proposal should be. I had one. Uh, supervisor who said, "Oh, the proposal should just be one page, and that's it, because they'll they'll stop reading." And I, I don't know, maybe you know, I, I'm not going to say these are the hard and fast rules, but it should be something that's compelling, that is personal, that shows the outcome, that'll show what their investment will do. Um, I mean, I think it has to look nice. It should be logoed. I mean, those are things that are that are easy to do. It doesn't have to be. Um, it, it doesn't have to be some PowerPoint slick presentation or anything like that. Um, I will say that when I've, when I've seen, uh, and I haven't had this experience, but people asking for, you know, 10 million, 12 million, mm-hmm. whatever gifts, uh, I've seen some really slick things and, and probably Maybe for that, that level, for yeah. that level, you probably do. But I mean, for a $5,000 gift, um, you know, I think something that's very articulate and something that shows, uh, what this gift is going to do is going to be the most impactful. And, and donors are so savvy. I mean, I've never had a donor for the most part say spend more money on me and these things <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean they like it if you take them to coffee and dinner and lunch and that sort of thing but you know i think i think as as nonprofits, we always walk that fine line between you know you want to seem like you've got it together and that it's a functioning ship but you don't want to seem like you're too slick i, I don't know but yeah. i think there's yeah. certain things that are are universally acceptable mm-hmm. and those include things such as proper grammar Mm-hmm. Having someone proofread it to make sure that the periods are in the right spot and that you've used actual quotations and not a hyphen and that you've spelled mm-hmm. things correctly. And, you know, we forget the power of that because we're trying to hurry and rush and, and we kind of own our own stuff. And a lot mm-hmm. of us are smaller staff, so we you use that also as our excuse. But, you know, having that board members are great at proofreading. They they mm-hmm. love to do it. And so sharing that information out, even if it's just your simple Word document, as mm-hmm. Marjorie said, to pass around. It'll cost, what, 15 cents from Walgreens uh, for a picture to be printed? Mm-hmm. Which can, I can print a picture. And say so much. And, mm-hmm. you know, simple things sometimes can be just as effective as something that's fancy. But, again, I, I like David's comparison with it all depends on how many commas are in the ask. <laughs> yeah. and you know, I do like sense. comma checks. I'm I a big do, fan I of do. comma checks. I need more. I, I need more of those. Yes. That's, yes. That's Multiple comma today. checks are fabulous. <laughs> Oh man, I've never got dream a little dream with me. <laughs> you know, I, I I will say again, kind of a bit of a sidebar here. You know, when I'm when I'm thinking about some of the collateral, what I would say is that with major gifts, it it, it is I think beneficial for agencies to have those societies or those things that uh, lay out you know what it is that you're doing because I think people still like to be part of you know. The Marjorie Society, mm-hmm. or you know, whatever, <laughs> or whatever society. And I think you know, again, um, when we're talking about major gifts, we have to we have to talk about the stewardship aspect of it, mm-hmm. right? So, what does this major gift entail? Now, granted, a lot of stuff 
people aren't going to care about. But if you have some exclusivity stuff built in there and you lay that out in your, your nice brochure, or your materials, I think people will respond to that. So if you have something that seems like, oh, we're asking you to be part of this society, this elite group. I mean, you know, who doesn't want to be part of an elite group, right? That is true. Now, I have had a problem with when I've made these societies and put out all the nice little things that we're going to give you, which may include like dinner with me or like you get a special, you get to come to our soiree early and, yeah. you know, or something like that. I have found it's very difficult for the to get the donors to take advantage of those things if they've made those gifts. Have you, have you guys seen that? Or is it just me and I've got lame things out there that people don't want? Uh, what do you mean by take advantage of them? Meaning they're not they're not responding to you? Yeah, like they they're like, no, it's okay. You don't we don't have to go to lunch. It's good. Or no, I'm just going to come to the event at the normal time, but everybody else is going to be there. David, Things do you like think that. some of that has to do with the whole they don't want to spend us to spend money on them concept? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to tell from mm -hmm. you know each individual. I think um, I think if it's something that's unique and different, people like that. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever I talk to other folks who raise money and they talk about, you know, oh, we're going to give them this, you know, nice little gift or something like that. I mean, mm -hmm. if it's something that they can buy or get themselves. Um, and maybe it's just not your, your donor base. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. the, the, the folks that are part of your organization or who want to support you, that's not necessarily their thing. Um, I, I do think, you know, if you... Um, you know, having things where you can check in with them. So even if mm -hmm. it's not just lunch with you individually, but, you know, an exclusive um, year, every year presentation where they come to a special luncheon and you update them on things and they get to ask you questions and, you know, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. I mean, I think those are always cool. You know, the, the, the coffee with the ED or the lunch mm -hmm. with the ED or, you know, getting, um, you know, before you put out your annual report, you know, hey, before we put out our annual report, I wanted to share with you guys this, you know, our trusted, oh, yeah. our best donors, you know, what we're doing and um, what success you've made possible. Um, and so it's less, you know, having to have lunch with you and maybe any awkwardness and, yeah. <laughs> and more about making it making it more about them and, and what they've been able to do to help you succeed. So uh, I, I wouldn't say abandon the events and abandon those things, but maybe look at, you know, what's important. And maybe just going out and talking to people as kind of getting back to the stewardship thing, say, hey, you know, I, I, we want to make um, our, appreciate, our appreciation efforts meaningful. Mm -hmm. What's meaningful to you? And, and, and just have some of those meetings with, with your donors and they'll tell you. They might find it very meaningful <clears throat> if you gave me more wine. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that I could be an option. I, we should have we should have more wine. We should. I don't understand why we haven't figured <laughs> no. out how to incorporate more wine on this show. <laughs> So, okay, uh, maybe last-ish question. Sure. Um, She's getting a lot of free advice here, David. Have yeah. you noticed this? <laughs> She's writing a My lot of, of, lot of copious notes over there. <laughs> so, um, what am I, okay, so what am I supposed to talk about? Like, before I'm making this ask to these people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm dog? sure our donors are, are very, yeah. see, and my donors are really, really nice well. people. And I'm just, I don't, but I don't want to waste their time, like, yeah. talking about, weird stuff and like so i tend to go to their kids but then maybe they don't have kids and it gets weird and or their job and maybe they've yeah, it's just like a whole thing well, like <laughs> what what are we supposed to talk about i i don't for the really record know you are you are an introvert are you yeah. not I, we've declared I this on the show I am so for our listeners who maybe don't know that group, but yeah this is true <laughs> i will say that i agree with yeah. you there yeah uh that's a good question so i you know when it comes to lunches events these kinds of things i this might sound really cheesy are lame, but, uh, or even when I call people, like, I like cheese, it goes great mm -hmm. with wine. I, 
you know, the first the first time I've started new jobs, when I call people, I, I will admit, like, sometimes I will fumble through whatever. And what I've taken to do um, when I make, you know, introduction phone calls is type out exactly what I'm going to say. And again, it might sound lame, but what I'll do is I will do that. I'll read it and maybe it doesn't sound right on the phone. So I'll change mm -hmm. it. And eventually I will have this routine that I will say. And it's the same thing with events. Like when I go to an event, I will make the same stupid jokes like at a golf event. You know, there'll be a car that you can win for a hole in one. And I'll mm -hmm. go over there and I'll say, all right, you know, th I'll go up to three or four people. I don't know which one of you is going to win the car. You know, a little really lame joke. But by just kind of doing the same thing over and over again, it might it might seem like terrible or uncreative to me. But to those people, they don't know that I keep it's really original. That. Right. Right. And so I kind of approach lunches that way. I kind of map it out in my head like, OK, here's what here's some of the things I'm going to ask. Like I'll write three or four questions and. Uh, I want to make sure I bring those up. I think um, when I'm first meeting people, I always want to find out what it is about my organization that is impactful to them or what is it that brought them in the door mm -hmm. and talk a little bit about that. And sometimes that's just that's it. That's your question for the, the whole day. Nice. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's it's good to have a little bit of uh, of success stories that you can share. I think that you want to. Um, in the first meeting, start planting seeds. Like, I, I don't think a first meeting is an ask meeting necessarily, but, um, you know, start kind of putting out there some things that you are doing and see, like, which one of them piques their interest and talk about those a little bit more. Um, and so, again, kind of have that flow, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my, my conversation about them and knowing about them, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what we're doing. And then at the end, I'm going to talk to, I'm going to find out which one of those things that they were most interested in and say, Hey, you know, when we were talking about this program, you seem to express interest or you had a lot of questions. Um, I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about it and just kind of show you what we're planning on doing and just kind of put that second meeting uh, out there as as more of a substantial meeting where you're really going to start talking about uh, how they could partner with you on a particular program or service. Yeah, awesome. I think that's one of the things that's lost in those meetings is they just say, OK, well, thanks. It was nice to meet you. And then it's the awkward, oh, now I have to figure out how to call him again. Like, <laughs> right. yeah. you have to set yourself up for success. And yeah. you can know who the only person that could do that really well is you, right? right. So by putting it out there and, and saying, you know, I want to get back. I always say the biggest thing is I try not to bring everything to the first meeting, including the kitchen sink, because yeah. you want to <laughs> hold some mystery back, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to be able to see what they're interested in. You want to see what piques their, their interest. And then you want to be able to say, you know, there's so much more I can share with you on that. And let me go back and get some more. And then would it be okay if I called you? We could get together again. So you've already asked permission and gotten permission to make the call to, to meet again to go over that information. And so there's something to be said about having information available, but not necessarily playing all your cards at the same time. Yeah. And again, yeah. I think this goes back to whatever research you can do. You know, if if you're seeing that someone is given to, you know, this organization, this organization, uh, I mean, you don't want to say like, hey, I've been, you know, Google stalking you and I see like you gave $5,000 to these 10 organizations. Mm -hmm. But oh, OK, I won't. Do that anymore. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, David. I was curious. But but if you see a pattern of what they were giving to, sure. then don't go like left field and start talking about something that they have never expressed interest in. You know, right. so mm -hmm. I, I mean, you're not manipulating the conversation by any means. But at the same time, your time is precious. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you you have to get to what you have to get to. Um, they've got to do what they've got to do. So at least kind of have an idea of, oh, well, I, I definitely want to bring up a couple of these things and see if any of them 
uh, you know, stick. If none of them stick, that's when that's when you're that's when you're in real trouble. Yeah, then you know that you're probably not going to ever get this gift. And not necessarily. Oh. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say give up on it. You know, I mean, I think it's I, I think you just have to find the right opportunity or what you think will be the right opportunity. You know, I mean, I, I think if you go into a meeting and it doesn't work, you can always follow up and say, "Hey, you know, we have this event coming up, or this is going." Um, maybe having another staff member take a crack at it, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's when you can really bring in your ED to help out. And, um, you know, maybe you go a different direction, you know, and talk to them about something else. If they're a donor, talk about that. Hey, I'd love to get your feedback on donor stewardship. I, I think we could do a better job of, of it. And I'd, I'd love to hear your feedback. What do some of the other organizations that you give to do? And do you like those things? Mm-hmm. Nice. And going back to your VIP, you said something about you know a VIP or coming early to your event. Mm-hmm. It'd be great for them to say, well, so why didn't you? Why didn't you take advantage of that? And mm-hmm. I, I thought I was giving a gift, but by all means, I want to use your money to the best stewardship possible. Mm-hmm. So, what would you like to do? And they may say, I'd like to do an after party. We can't get there any earlier, <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> if you did an after party and it was just for us, like we would like that. So you can then shift your expenses to something that would provide more donor value added. Well, this has been good. I feel a little better. Good. Um, you ready for it? Yeah, I'm. I'm ready to to give this to my development director. <laughs> to... <laughs> so she could be your whisperer. Yeah, pretty oh. much. <laughs> um, so, David, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. How should people get a hold of you if they have more questions? Uh, well, you know, you can hit me up on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. David Gonzalez. I'm pretty good at that. Um, they can email me. Uh, my email address is Gonzalez. That's G O N Z A L E Z D S one hundred at gmail dot com. And I haven't started my new job yet, so I can't give you my work email address. <laughs> I don't know what that is. That'll that'll be uh, on the sixteenth. Nice. Or have been on the sixteenth. Per- yeah, on perhaps yeah. by the point, time that this <clears throat> yeah. airs, we'll be able to add that to the yeah. show notes and Absolutely. get that out. All right. I'm sure they can just give you a call and you can you can to connect. Find it. You. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like the the best takeaway that I heard today from David is just don't be scared to put yourself out there mm-hmm. and just to go for it, right? Or be scared, but you know effectively deal with that uh, be effectively scared i like that you know i i'm not be I'm good not, for halloween i'm not opposed to saying you know what um have a glass of wine before the event and just not kinda, two just one you know I, a quick story i was listening to this interview with uh joe buck and he was talking about calling the super bowl and he would actually say he said that he would actually have a beer like while broadcasting like that would just loosen him up and just put him in the right frame of mind of this is just a game and he wouldn't, like, mm-hmm. you know, pound it. He would just have one over the course of, like, an hour or so. So, I mean, you know, and he was broadcasting to a hundred and, what, 25 million people. Right. So, I mean, that's got to be pretty daunting. It so, look, bad. you have to talk to five people for, you it's know. not that bad. <laughs> you got to find your comfort zone. There you yeah. go. And I'll have a glass of wine in, in right. my hand for right. sure. <laughs> that's right. Thanks for finding your comfort zone with 501 Crossroads. And thank you to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite app and subscribe and leave us some feedback so others can find us. You can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.